This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Crowd on their feet here at Tropicana Field. Two on, two out, one in. Swing and a miss. He struck him out and the Rays win. This is Rays Radio. Looked in the air to center field. Charging Kiermaier still coming on. Dives and he, did he hold it? Welcome to Countdown to Opening Day. Yes, he did, and the side retired. Coming up, we bring you the inside scoop from Rays players, coaches, and front office executives as the Rays prep for 2016. Two pitch, lifted down the left field line. Pierce giving chase to the corner, to the wall, off the pole, it's a home run. Evan Longoria with a two-homer night. To get you ready for Opening Day, here are the voices of the Rays. Good evening, everyone, and welcome into our inaugural Countdown to Opening Day show for the 2016 season. I am one of the voices of the Rays, Dave Wills, along with my broadcast partner for what is now going to be our 12th season on Rays Radio, Andy Freed. And Andy, again, as we were talking with our live studio audience here inside the uh, Performance Center uh, on the uh, campus of our flagship station, 620 WDAE, uh, this is kind of like our opening day. We're back to talking about baseball. Great to see all the Rays fans here in their Rays gear. And it's going to be talking Rays baseball. We'll be talking with Kevin Cash here in just a little bit. And then also uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show, the Rays All-Star last year, Chris Archer will be joining us. And, uh, again, there's a, a lot of excitement. Um, again, for a team that finished 80 and 82 a season ago, and I started breaking down some of the numbers this afternoon. You know, you start thinking about how close this team was to maybe being even a little bit better and possibly battling for a postseason spot. And then you also think about everything that went wrong with this team and to still be able to win 80 games was quite the task. The last two years, I think this team has been hit by an injury bug that we were able to avoid for many years. I mean, you look back to 08 when pretty much everybody made their starts, when you had a bunch of guys that had high number of of starts without missing, uh, guys that stayed off the DL. The last two years, whether it be Alex Cobb or Matt Moore or Drew Smiley, this team has kind of made up for that. I think in the wrong way, and I think part of what went into this offseason is is building depth for this team, uh, positionally and pitching wise. So I think some of the new names that are here this year that we'll be getting into, and we'll talk to the skipper in just a little bit, is to guard against some of that. I mean, there's only so much you can do when 40 or 60 percent of your starting rotation goes down. No team can really survive that. Uh, but I think we actually survived it a little better than what I thought was going to happen when when uh, when you really looked at if you had seen how many guys would be on that DL going into last year. Now, you can't blame the whole season on that, certainly. But you know what? I was listening today because I, I, you know, we talk baseball during the offseason, but our wives probably get sick of, of us talking about it. You and I will text to each other a little bit. We talk baseball, so we're thinking about it. But when I listened back today to some of the, the final broadcasts we had last year, game 161 was a walk-off win. Tim Beckham had a two-run single and won the game for the Rays when it looked like they were going to be pretty much done. And then the last day, they blew up Mark Burley, hit a grand slam, and, and, and beat up the Blue Jays that had their, their A lineup in. And it reminded me how much energy was still there with this team at the end of last year. And uh, I think part of that came from Kevin Cash, and I can only see that moving forward into spring training and then opening day for this year. Pretty impressed for a guy that we always say try to live a little closer to the present who watches YouTubes uh, of uh, 1970 games, 1975 games. At least you were watching games from 2015. A lot of 79 uh, in there, yeah, a lot of 1979. Uh, we lived that a lot. Speaking of the present, we are within eight days now of pitchers and catchers reporting down in uh, Port Charlotte. We're also now looking at the first uh, workout for pitchers and catchers on the 21st. Some other important dates, the 26th, the first uh, full squad workout. Rays Fan Fest at Tropicana Field. Again, uh, parking and admission is free. It'll be on the 27th. And then our first spring game against the Washington Nationals at Charlotte Sports Park. That's coming your way on March the 2nd. So, again, all these days are coming together and coming along very, very quickly. And you touched on some of the new additions. And I know we'll uh, talk about them, as you said, with Kevin Cash here in just a little bit. But Steve Pierce, 
you know, you heard him going to the wall to try to catch uh, Evan Longoria's <laughs> home run. Well, hopefully we won't be calling him going to the wall too much this year. We'll be talking about him going over the wall with some of his hits. Brad Miller, an intriguing piece that we picked up in the uh, Nathan Carnes deal, along with Logan Morrison and also Danny Farquhar. Then uh, also Hank Conger to add some catching depth and a guy that uh, they really, really like, Chase Whitney, a guy that uh, did some nice things while he was with the uh, Yankees. And then the guy that I think a lot of people are really now talking about over the last couple of days, Corey Dickerson, a guy that the Rays picked up in the Jake McGee, uh, McGee deal. Now, I'm not going to lie to you folks, Jake McGee not only was a tremendous pitcher, but he was a very, very good guy. He was one of those guys that along with his wife, you really enjoyed seeing him out and about. I'm going to miss him, and I'm going to be a little nervous when the eighth and ninth innings come along and we're not going to see Jake McGee either on the mound or warming up. But with that being said, watching the way that the ball comes off the bat of uh, Corey Dickerson, I sent a little text today to uh, Derek Shelton, and I said to Shelton, I said, what do you think? And he gave me back all kinds of stuff, and it was kind of muted. I just talked to Kevin back in the green room. He said he's doing stuff with the ball that we have not seen from a raised player. He's hitting the back wall a half a dozen times today during batting practice. He popped him up off his back foot and hitting those little backspinners that we used to call helium balls that went out of the ballpark. He's a guy that, again, I know that's batting practice. I know it's uh, not even uh, March yet, but he's an intriguing guy that uh, could be kind of settled into the middle of the lineup and give us some thump that this team is sorely lacked. You know, it's so true, and I've thought for, for many years, and I think the Rays basically do live by the theory of, of you pitch it and you catch it and you hope you score enough runs. Well, the last couple of years, they just haven't scored enough runs uh, to win games. You think of 2012 when they had really a World Series pitching staff and just could not get enough runs. Uh, 2013, they made the playoffs. The last two years, there were some bumps along the road. And they just, I mean, the race had led the league in ERA again last year. It's easy to forget that. Uh, so uh, to me, at some point, you had the, the pull the ripcord and trade some pitching to get some hitting. And yeah, it hurts to lose Jake McGee. And uh, that being said, uh, I, I'm a little bit excited, I think, to think about, all right, you got Eni Romero and Alex Colomay. What they did, hard throwers uh, at the similar stages of their career that at times were dominating last year. Boxberger was, by and large, pretty darn good as a closer. That's that's the basis. We're going to have to lean on some of those guys. But then what about guys like Andrew Bellotti, who last year uh, really did some good things? Farquhar, you mentioned. Uh, Steve Geltz. Mm -hmm. The Rays would have been lost without Steve Geltz last year. So, uh, to me, the biggest competition for spring training is bullpen. This team has to have a solid bullpen because there's nothing more demoralizing than scoring enough runs and then giving it back in the eighth. We've nine. got some thickness in the outfield. We've got some thickness at first base as well that we'll be talking about maybe with Kevin Cash here in just a little bit. But I think one of the best ways to make a better bullpen is to make a better starting staff. And if we can hold those guys together, and we'll talk to Kevin about it. I know some people, as Neil was Warming up in between Neil jokes today. I, I asked a couple of real serious questions, but uh, brought the house down a bit. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where I know a lot of people are going to ask Kevin about the starting pitching and second time, third time through the, the, the order. We know we belabor that point maybe too much last year. But when you think about Archer, Odorizzi, Smiley, Moore, and Ramirez, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good starting rotation that's probably as good as anybody's in the division right now. And, uh, and then there's a, another guy that's kind of waiting in the wings, right? little guy named uh, Blake Snell from what we've been hearing about. Uh, top prospect pitcher in baseball, left-hander. Uh, and there's a lot of off days in the beginning of the year, too. So I don't know exactly when, when they're going to do that. Here's two guys that, that will be interesting. And I know we got to get to Kevin, and we should save some of this for Kevin. Matt Andres, Erasmo Ramirez. Uh, those are two guys that I think could be significant long relievers slash starters when need be. I think those are going to be two of the more valuable pieces to this team this year. Well, don't forget, again, we'll talk with Kevin here in just a little bit, but there's also some changes off the field as well. And with the Rays' new Big 22 plan, you can get tickets for the biggest games, matchups, and giveaways, and access to the new Rays Rewards Points Program for all season ticket holders, all while saving up to $150, $140. You can save $150, just tell them Dave said so. Right. Call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com today. Raise up. We'll take a break, come back and talk with the skipper Kevin Cash as our uh, first countdown to opening, shake, uh, opening day show continues on 620 WDAE. Rays Fan Fest back on Saturday, February the 27th at Tropicana Field. A tradition, no question, every year we look forward to it. Play games on the field. This says meet the Rays radio team, so that's a plus, and interact with players as the Rays kick off the new baseball season. FanFest is free for all fans and is open from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com today. Raise up. With Dave Wills, I'm Andy Freed. We're at the 
iHeartMedia Performance Center in Tampa, Florida, as we get ready for baseball 2016. This is our countdown to opening day radio show, and now we'd like to welcome in a guy that we don't have to say rookie manager anymore. You never have to hear it again. Second-year manager Kevin Cash has joined us here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Skipper, I imagine you've done a lot of reflecting on your first year, how 2015 went, and I know, as we were saying, the energy I thought that you had by the end of the year was maybe even more so, certainly even, than at the beginning of the year. Has it been hard for you to sit tight during the offseason and kind of wait for this season to get dead here finally? Yeah, it has been. There's no doubt when the season ended, it was a nice little break, but at the same time, uh, you know, that break, you you don't want it to last as long, especially when you're watching playoff teams and 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 it gets you antsy just watching the playoffs in the World Series, and ultimately that's where we want to be. We want to be in those types of games, so that gets the itch and the urge to get back out there and get on the field. When you look back at last year, you know, it's, it, I guess it's kind of tough to maybe put a finger on any one thing that you would like to see corrected. I mean, I was just kind of going through some numbers today, and I know our numbers against some uh, right-handed starters were probably not as good. Thus, uh, why we made some moves that we did this year to balance the lineup out a little bit. Our extra inning numbers were not very, very good, 2 and 13. I mean, even if you just went, uh, you know, what, 7 and 8, it might have given you a better chance of making the postseason. But is there one thing that you would like to see improved dramatically from last year to this year that would make us a, a, a playoff contender and possibly get us to the postseason? Well, I think if you look at the 162-game the season, we played a lot of close ball games. Uh, we have to find out and kind of identify ourselves and show our identity that we can win close ball games. Uh, now, how you simulate in spring training in the offseason, I'm not sure if you can do that, but our guys are very aware that we had so many close ball games. It, like you just said, we talked about it quite a bit throughout the course of the year. Find a way to win those games, and ultimately, that comes down on on myself and the and the and the coaching staff. We got to continue to find ways to put these guys in positions to succeed, and uh, hopefully, with another year of experience, we're going to be that much better for it. You mentioned it. 94 games last year. Out of think of that, of 162 games, 94 were decided by two runs or fewer. So the Rays were in a tight game. Five out of seven days almost, uh, just about every every game it felt like. it. Where did that play out and impact more? My, my guess is a bullpen situation that was always under pressure. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Our bullpen, we came into the year saying that they were very strong. And, and for the bulk of the season, they showed that they were. Uh, but they also probably got gassed a little bit tired there at the end of the year. So we go back to the drawing board and how can we get the most out of these guys for, for the full course of the season. So we've talked about that. I mean, like I heard you guys talking earlier, the injuries. Nobody can prepare for injuries. You always try to have a fallback plan. They hit us uh, pretty difficult early on in the season. And uh, I think, you know, we had a lot of guys. We asked a lot of guys to step up, and they did for the most part. But going into this season, there are some different thoughts and ways we can get creative to see if we can get some longevity out of those guys. Visiting with Rays manager Kevin Cash here on our first uh, Countdown to Opening Day show with Andy Freed. I'm Dave Wills, and uh, <laughs> I got to ask it. I mean, you know, they were kind of reluctant to ask, but I know <laughs> we got a lot of calls out of the postgame. You know, I'd come to you a lot during the, uh, the pregame session that we had with you all the time. The, the, the talk about our starters not going deep enough into the game after two trips through the lineup, what have you. I've always been out of the, the thought process that you show me a good bullpen and I'll show you a starting staff that doesn't overuse those guys or put them in better positions. Now, is it kind of a combination of both where our starters might have to go a little bit deeper into games and then it would also be kind of nice to give your relievers some wiggle room to make a mistake or two because our relievers did not have a lot of wiggle room more often than not last year. No, they didn't. And I, to me, that's also it's a credit to that we, we pitched really well for the bulk of the year and we caught the ball. So we kept close ball games. But to answer your question, uh, you know, you go into the seasons hopefully an optimistic saying we're going to be healthier. So we do have some more veteran guys that are going to be starting ball games for us. And uh, we'd like to think that in itself is going to help out a lot. I mean, we, 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 you, you see what everybody at the industry says about our starting rotation, and we're right up there in the top ranks. And large credit to, to Chris Archer, uh, what he did last year as a breakout. Oda Rizzi, Matt Moore coming back. Uh, Drew Smiley, a full year of health. So there's a lot of positives to look at, and you know we'll continue to discuss how we can utilize the bullpen. But uh, we do. We we did not like having any wiggle room for him because that's that's a tough way to succeed when every night you're pitching in a tight ball game. Arch was able to give you 34 starts last year, led the league, uh, made every start. Odorizzi was out for with the oblique for a little bit amount of time, but more came back as the season went along. Smiley was in and out, then came back and was strong. How comfortable are you right now with that front four, in particular? 
Moore and Smiley, will you be able to lean on them and, and hopefully for you know a 30 start plus season, do you think? That's a good question. You know, I'm very comfortable. We're all very comfortable. Matt Moore could not have finished any stronger than what he did with his last five starts. Saying that, we have to value and factor in his innings. Uh, He did not get a full workload, so that's something we'll balance throughout the course of the year. And then you add in Drew Smiley's injury. He didn't get a full workload. So, you know, these guys, we want them around this year, but we want them around for years to come. And we have to continue to factor that in. But, uh, you know, watching Matt Moore right now throwing, I mean, he is chomping at the bit and and it seems like he's picked right off where he left off. But that was huge for him to finish so strong and build that confidence, regain it to the type of pitcher that we all know he is. You know, the other guy that we always kind of leave out in these conversations, which I think is Maybe wrong because he's just Mr. Steady Eddie is Jake Odorizzi. I mean, Jake is a guy that when you start to name your, your rotation, you start to name everybody else, and you kind of forget he's there. But you know what? For a while there last year, when he took the mound, I felt the best of us uh, having a chance to win. He was as good as anybody we had there for a stretch until he uh, pulled his oblique. And I've been trying to explain to him time after time after time, you don't pull obliques if you don't have them. That's right. <laughs> I, I'm in agreement with you. Um, you know, the funny thing is about Odo is uh, I agree. Um, you know, Odo's injury last year, of all the injuries, that might have been the most difficult one to handle because we were rolling and what Jake and, uh, and Arch were providing mm-hmm. for us was uh, they allowed us to be unique with our bullpen because we knew we were getting a consistent uh, seven-inning performance, eight-inning performance out of those two guys. When he went down, it, it made some things really difficult. Uh, but I, I, you know, not to put added pressure on Jake, but I would think this could be a year of, of him kind of breaking out a little bit and, and continuing to establish what a successful Major League starter he's capable of being. We mentioned the first four, and I know there's some off days early on. You may not need a fifth starter for a while. But two guys, and we were talking about this going into the, into the break after our first segment, Matt Andrees and Erasmo Ramirez showed you last year that they can work both as starters and relievers. And I'm wondering when you're talking about creative ways to chew up innings sometimes, two, those two guys to me stand out as uh, two very valuable members of your, of your pitching staff. They will be. And, and, you know, Matt Andrees, the development that he had at the big league level last year, which is not easy to do, he was, he was able to continue to get better to where, you know, we, we definitely didn't feel uh, as strong at the beginning of the year as we did at the end of the year with him. Uh, Erasmo, a little bit more established and pitched in the big leagues, but what he provided, uh, it was, you know, we joked around, it was the simplest approach of all, just kind of come in, here it is, hit it, and you look up and he's given up no runs after five, six innings, uh, and, you know, a model of consistency for us, so... Uh, there will be decisions to make, but we like both of those guys in the mix. And, and, and if Erasmo can pick off right where he left off, we, we, we've got a tremendous starting rotation. Speaking of decisions, Blake Snell is a guy that I know, again, a lot of fans are, are asking about. And, uh, so am I. Uh, I'm <laughs> asking about him. <laughs> well, I mean, I never really got a chance to see him pitch in person. I, I don't know. Did, did you get no, a chance at I, all? They, I mean, they only let me see him on video. So, so <laughs> all right. Now, uh, there's been a lot of comparisons to some of the other guys we brought up over the years. I think the bottom line is, though, what I've been trying to explain to people is that this is a guy that raced through three levels of minor league baseball last year. Didn't really have a hiccup along the way. Uh, it might be too quick. Who knows? I mean, when a guy's ready, he's ready. But it might be too quick to put him right in the big league staff right away. But it might also be better to make sure that you control some innings early on if you're expecting to play September and also into October to have him be able to be utilized in the later stages of the, uh, the season. How much conversation have you guys had about Blake Snell? Or is it even too early? you got to see what you see. In March. Well, I think we're all very excited to see him, just like you guys are. I mean, our our, our development staff has, has the most history with him. Uh, but I know Jim Hickey and, and, and Stan Borowski, our bullpen coach, are excited to get around him. And I'm excited to uh, be around him in spring training. Uh, you know, the one thing, we, like you said, we can't do is, is put too much pressure and anoint this young player that, like you just said, really – fast-tracked it through one year of pro ball, uh, being from A ball, double A, AA, and triple A last year. I don't think that'd be fair to him or his career to sit there and say he needs to be here at this point. So I think th- what's best is we have a lot of good people in the minor league side. He, along with some of uh, the pitching coaches, will tell us when he's ready. Um, you know, we want him just to come in, have a good camp, get acclimated, uh, and then let's see where it goes from there. Hopefully he pitches great and he gives us a tough decision. And speaking of tough decisions, I'm sure it was tough to, for Matt Silverman to pull the, 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 the deal uh, to get rid of Jake McGee. And obviously you got to, like Dave and I say, you got to give up something to get something. But that hurts from a bullpen standpoint. 
Uh, how do you make up for that? Is that or is that pen kind of have a hole in it that needs to be filled? And and is that where most of the competition pitching wise in spring training will be? I think so. And and I don't think realistically you can't come into spring training and saying how are we going to fill Jake McGee's. You're not. That, that would be uh, unfair to, to anybody. So hopefully with a combination of some guys uh, and, and maybe some guys being able to lengthen out a little bit and get a couple more outs over three, so maybe four, five, six out in some outings, we can find uh, you know, a, not a replacement but something that, that will allow us to get through that seventh and eighth inning. Visiting with Kevin Cash here again on our Countdown to Opening Day show. we got a couple more minutes with the Rays skipper, and then Chris Archer will be joining us. We've talked a lot about pitching, and again, this team, is their, their DNA is pitching and defense. We've, I don't know if we have a whole lot of time for defense, but offensively, this team needed to make some adjustments. And I think Matt, again, addressed a couple of things. We talked about some of the balance. They scored only 644 runs last year, um, and, and that was 14th in the American League. I think the only team below us might have been the White Sox, and uh, they scored in the 620s. But... Uh, uh, you know, you're looking at a team that when we go up against some of these offenses, I know we're not going to try to outslug them, but it sure would be nice to have another run or two. And uh, with the addition of guys like Logan Morrison and also, uh, you know, again, uh, Brad Miller at shortstop, uh, you know, St Steve Pierce, who a guy that beat us up a lot while he was with the Baltimore Orioles, and then Corey Dickerson, who we were just talking about before the, uh, the, the, this segment here, he's hitting the balls off the back wall today during PP. Now, I know it's BP. But uh, have, you had a have you had a chance maybe to sit there and toy with your possible lineup here? I mean, even going back to Desmond Jennings, when I was looking at some of the numbers from last spring, Desmond Jennings was our best offensive player in the spring last year, and then he just uh, got hurt again and was never the same for the rest of the season. But when you look at where our offense is compared to maybe when you took over a year ago, are you a little more excited? I'm very excited. And I, I think we can't get confused. We, we're always, we always want to be able to pitch. Uh, to add that offense where we call it more versatile or it's going to lengthen out our lineup is going to help. I mean, we, like you said, we had to give up some good players. Nate Carnes was a huge part of our team last year, uh, and Jake McGee has been a huge part of this organization for many years. But we acquired some guys that we think are really going to add some versatility and balance to our lineup. There were no discredit to any of our players last year, but there were times at the you know from that six, seven, eight hole in the lineup, it, w it was tough. How are we going to match this up and maximize it? This year, we're having conversations like there's going to be some unhappy people that aren't playing because we got some good offensive players that we're going to have to balance it that way. So you'd rather have it the way it is now, uh, and yeah, it is a credit to Matt, but it's also a credit to I think to Derek Shelton and what our hitting guys did at the end of the year. We really took to a philosophy that's not easy to do, uh, changed our approach, got more aggressive, and hopefully that carries over into spring and right into the season. And then you talk about the additions, and, and we're going to have a balanced offense. You keep saying balanced, and it seems to me that that's really true. I mean, when you look from the right side versus the left side, so will that mean for you that, uh, I mean, a lot of lineups are made from matchups anyway, but it seems to me like you're not only going to have more of an option in your starting lineup, but you're going to have more options off the bench this year. And I think there are some guys that you're going to be able to put up there that will strike fear in, into the other team. And, and that's not to say that, that, you know, that, that last year didn't always have that. It did through stretches. But if you could bring maybe a Dickerson off the bench if he's not in the lineup that day, or Steve Pierce to me could be a very interesting player off the bench when he's not starting, it's like you're going to have a lot of more toys to play with this year yeah there's no doubt and that puts a smile on all of our faces we sat there this morning after the bp session and we wrote out uh, all of us sitting there casually in a group we had nine different lineups and i don't think any of them were bad it, so uh it, it's pretty nice going into spring uh now we just got to stay healthy and, and keep those guys on the field you want to share one with these guys out here you got you <laughs> know, the like, lineup yeah just any any one of them here and <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well. <laughs> man, I'd get yelled at if I did that. Will, let me ask you this. Will it change where Logan Forsyth hits in the lineup? You know, you know that's what? your MVP from last year, and we haven't even brought him up. Yeah, you know, and that, that's a uh, – we had that conversation, and I think we're, we're pretty torn on a lot of those things. Logan really established himself as a, as a very good major league player, uh, and I, I don't know how much do you really want to change that. He found some comfort, so that's some stuff that we'll have to have those conversations more, and we're going to have to ask the player because the last thing we want to do is put a player in an uncomfortable spot when he had com some, some comfort uh, uh, elsewhere, so – um, it, it's going to be fun going through that, whereas like last year, you know, there were times where it was a little bit more head-scratching. I know we're up against the clock, but I did want to ask a, a question about the defense because, again, that is another big part of our DNA. We had a platinum goal, uh, glove winner last year in Kevin Kiermeyer, who did uh, just incredible things out there Amazing. in center field. When the ball was up in the air, 
Uh, you knew he was going to go get it, and he threw some guys out at the plate that were absolutely incredible. But when you think about defense in a big league diamond, it's up the middle that counts. And uh, I think we're fairly set in center field. I'm, I'm going out of limb there. but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know, And we know that Logan can play a pretty good second base. But the questions for me, and I think for a lot of people right now, are center field. And sh- or I should say shortstop and catcher. And, uh, you know, we're looking at a situation where we brought in Hank Conger, who uh, is going to provide a little depth and maybe a little push to a couple of guys. Kurt Casale did some really, really nice things last year when he was healthy. And then Rene Rivera was a guy that, you know, caught it and threw it with the best of them, but had a little trouble hitting. I mean, wh- are those some of the keys you're going to be looking at? And then the shortstop position, as Drupal Cabrera was as steady as they, as they come. Yeah, I mean, as far as the catching, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that first. Uh, you know, Kurt did. He had a hundred and. 10, 115 at-bats, whatever it was, comes in, whacks 10, 11 home runs. Uh, it's tough to, 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 to deny what took place. It is only 100 at-bats, so we're gonna, we want him to come in, pick up where he left off. He kind of changed his approach and became more of a power hitter and did some really nice things working with the pitching staff. So, uh, And then Rene Rivera, I saw him today. He looks great. He, he's made some adjustments. Uh, he's really worked hard this offseason uh, offensively and kind of fine-tuning some things. And sometimes when you have that transition to come in and here's your job, you're the everyday guy, which he never had, it could be overwhelming. And maybe this year he'll settle in a little bit more. And then Conger, we're going to find some stuff out about him. All the reports are, you know, he can really hit. We really like a lot of his aspects of catching. So that should be an, ex- an exciting position battle, whatever you want to call in spring training. As far as shortstop, uh, we're all excited about Brad Miller. Young player, very athletic. Uh, we or Our offensive projections on him is he's going to be a guy that's going to come in and, and, and be a force for us offensively. Uh, and defensively, from all the reports, he's a guy that should be uh, fairly steady and consistent. And, you know, he's still learning a little bit and, and can clean up some things. But that's what spring training's for, and that's what Tom Foley's for. He's the best in the business at, uh, at, at, at working with our young infielders. How different will this year be for you compared to a year ago at this time? I mean, it seems like light years ago. I was listening to uh, our last interview that you gave us last year on the closing date of the year. You said the thing you learned most was uh, communication and how to communicate with it. It seemed to me like you were communicating all the time last year, but do you feel like that's something that you wanted to get better at as the year went along? Or And is that the biggest thing you'll carry over from last year? It'll probably be the biggest thing that I carry over. Uh, and I think coming into the job last year, I knew it was big, but I didn't have quite the appreciation for how important it was on a daily, daily basis. You have to keep up with the guys, with the staff. Um, so, you know, it, it really doesn't change how we feel about the game and how we want to communicate. You just got to keep staying consistent with it and, and do everything you can to get everybody on the same page. And, I mean, that's a credit to our guys. They showed that through last year. There were some disappointing times, but if you look up at the end of the day, uh, they did some things and, be- and, and dealt with a lot of adversity and, and, and really played well for us. And you got to talk to the media every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we do appreciate that's that. That's why I have the gray hair now. I didn't have that this year. <laughs> but, hey, Kevin Cash, thank you for joining us. And, again, Kevin, for joining us on this inaugural show, you get a DJ Kitty bobblehead. Oh, thank you. We know how much. Thank you. Yeah. You figured. I love to. You figured. He's he's Kevin Cash. I'm Dave Wills. He's Andy Freed. We'll take a break. We come back. We'll talk with Chris Archer, Rays All-Star pitcher, after this on your home for Rays baseball, Rays Radio 620 WDAE and the Rays Radio Network. Rays baseball is back for 2016. Single game tickets go on sale Friday, February the 19th at 10 a.m. exclusively through RaysBaseball.com. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the Rays' 11th straight sellout for opening day. Visit RaysBaseball.com or call AAA Fan Rays. And for the first time this year, we say, Rays up! Along with Dave Wills, I'm Andy Free from the iHeart Performance Media Center in Tampa, Florida, where this is our countdown to opening day radio show as we get ready to begin the 2016 season. And now we are joined by a man that... We were able to count on for 34 starts last year. The opening day starter, the guy that was able to answer the bell, as they say, every time last year, and that is Chris Archer. And we welcome Chris to the studios here. Chris, I noticed when I said that, you smiled. I always hear pitchers say at the beginning of spring training, I want to make every start this year. You got to 200 innings plus. You set a record for strikeouts. What makes you happier? Making every start or getting those innings, strikeouts, what makes you happiest? I think it all starts with making every single start being out there and it's not even a thing it's not even for my ego it's not for me it's for the team um a lot just I like for everybody behind me to know that every fifth day Archer's going to be on the mound so that's why I I take so much pride in taking care of myself and the first month of the offseason 
Um, I traveled a little bit and I did some stuff for, with the World Series and in the postseason. But from that point on, I've been focusing on nutrition, strength training, getting a lot of rest because I want the next eight months to be injury and I want injury free and on the field. Knocking I, on wood. Yeah, and I know that while well, your teammates like it, I know Andy and I like it, and I know the fans like it. When you're out there every fifth day, if we were able to figure out a way to get you out there more, I know uh, <laughs> that we can find another Chris Archer. But I felt like you were kind of doing homework as I was going over your media guide. I was highlighting a number of things. But, you know, again, your first All-Star selection, when you think back to last year, set the team record with 252 strikeouts. First time over 200 innings and 200 strikeouts in the same season. Sixth in the American League with 212 innings pitched. Incredible stuff. And, and then, again, I mean, there were all kinds of other things, too. Leaders among, uh, you know, no runs and two hits, I mean, multiple times. Uh, but, unfortunately, too, there were times where you weren't given enough offensive support. But when you look ahead now, as you reflect on last year, and as you start to – I know in knowing you now for the last several years, you reflect, but you don't really focus on it too much. As you focus now to 2016, what are some of the things that you would like to maybe improve upon? I think just overall sharpening my command of all three of my pitches. Um, I think the evolution has been great, but it just doesn't stop. I had a great season, but I'm nowhere near the pitcher that I want to be. I want to go out. I mean, my goal is pretty lofty. Every time I go out, I want to pitch nine innings. I know that that's not going to happen, but I think instead of averaging six and two-thirds, I want to start averaging more per start. Because that gives the bullpen, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of extra rest. Um, but and and that comes from just sharpening everything, being more in the strike zone. I was in the strike zone a lot last year, but being more in the zone. And then the number one thing is I had like a handful of games or three or four games where I gave up just too many runs. Like I, I couldn't stop the bleeding, and that is something that I'm working on being better in the moment. You know, because when it's going good, you know, you can almost close your eyes and just pump strikes, but in those times of adversity, I want to be better. I want to limit. I want to limit that big damage. I remember that like what once or twice. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean seriously, the stuff you did last year was absolutely incredible. But uh, all right, just going back to that now, even in the month of September, just looking at some of the numbers, talk. You, you reflect maybe on September where the numbers weren't quite where they were for the previous months of the season. Was it a case where you were getting a little physically tired, mentally tired? I mean, if you look back, and is that something, too, that would uh, – if I mean, you correct that, and now all of a sudden you got an ERA that's in the twos. Yeah, I think – I mean, I'm, I'm human, and it was the first time that I really took on a load that heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, even though I, th I threw 194 and two-thirds innings the year before, but having a few more starts and taking the ball every fifth day, um, not getting the extra – when we had a day off, I didn't have a day off. I still had to go to the yard, lift, run, throw my bullpen or whatever because I had to, I wanted to stay on my fifth day. So everybody else was kind of getting five, six, seven days in between starts. I didn't want that, and I think that's where I can learn. And I told, I would go to Cash's office and say, look, I know this is what's best for the team. We're still in this. This is late August, early mm -hmm. September. I said, hey, we're still in this. I want to pitch. I want to be on the mound. Why? Because – the same reason Evan Longoria is playing while he's a little banged up. I want to be out there. So I think I learned to maybe take the extra day. And if, you know, if I need to make 34 starts that particular season, I will. But at the, at the end of the year, I look at him like, was it really that important? I led the league in starts. But, you know, the last three weeks we knew we weren't going to make playoffs. But I still wanted to hold my end of the bargain and say, all right, Longo's playing, Logan Forsythe's playing. They're a little banged up. We're a team. I'm, I still want to be out there, and I don't want to miss a start. I don't even want to miss a day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting to hear you say this stuff, Chris, because uh, over the years, we would hear James Shields say that. We would hear David Price say that. And it seems like that mantle, and with Alex Cobb, too. And, you know, we don't want to forget about Alex because he got injured last year, and we're hoping we're going to get him back at some point this year. But you seem very comfortable in that role of staff leader. And I think with Alex, too, when, when he'll be back, you guys are are, are – are, Seems very natural to you. Uh, how much do you uh, attribute attribute that to what maybe Price and Shields and those guys were able to, I think, really get started in this organization? It was everything. Um, my first Major League Spring training was 2011, and James Shields came up to me and kind of told me <clears throat> the expectation. It wasn't even really from Price at that time. I mean, Price was already doing it, and he already had two or three all-star games under his belt, but – I didn't even know who James Shields was, honestly. 
Um, and I think that's how a lot of outside viewers are. And But whenever I came here and saw the things that he accomplished, I realized that his stuff isn't overwhelming, but his m- mentality is superb. And that's why he's been an all-star. And that's why for the last six or seven years, he's made every start and 200 plus. And he's one of the best, most well-compensated players as a pitcher in the game because he's he's earned that. And, and I learned what it took. First, it takes the mentality. Everything starts with a thought. All your actions start with a thought. So I never even thought about pitching 200 innings because in the minors, I never pitched more than 150 and made 20 starts or whatever. Um, and, and once he introduced that to me, that was my goal. And and I it's my goal not from a personal standpoint, again, but it's the it's going to put the team in the best position to win. Chris Archer joining us here on our Rays Countdown to Opening Day show, again, with, along with Andy Freedom, Dave Wills. And, you know, again, Chris, when you look back at last year, I mean, one of the highlights of the season for us was your start against the Houston Astros. In mid-August, uh, that was a game in which, you know, we, we Andy and I are no-hit aficionados. We, we've seen a few no-hitters in our career, some against us, well, most against us, and then one for us. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, 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 we have a pretty good idea when a guy's on his game. And in that game against the Houston Astros, I mean, you want to talk about a dominating performance, the amount of strikeouts that you put together and a complete game with less than 100 pitches is absolutely incredible. It was one of, as Andy and I talked about it during that broadcast, one of the most dominating performances we have ever seen. ESPN's game score was the highest ever recorded by a, a raised pitcher. When you reflect on that, I know you probably think I could have done better and not have any hits and not have any base runners, but uh, w- when you look back on that, was that vintage Chris Archer That's in that it. game? That's what I'm striving for every single night. And obviously they only happen a, a couple times a year, but that's why I work so hard. That's why I'm very diligent about all the work that I do. That's why I choose not to go out till the wee hours in the morning. Um, that's why I choose to eat properly because that's the result that I want. And, I've done it a couple times, and I really want it to happen more frequently. And I want to be an example for everybody else on the team, too. Like, in order to get the high-end benefits, you have to make sacrifices in the moment. And I think that when Nate Carnes left, he he sent me a text. and Well, I texted him and said goodbye, and he said, thanks for being a great leader. And I don't think of myself as a leader, but he was – but he would just observe and say, hey, you were there doing your work every day. You – you know, you ate right, all the things that I do. And I was like, wow, people actually pay attention to that. Because, again, I don't even have three years of service time in the big leagues, so I don't really view myself as a leader. Well, there's a guy that doesn't stay out late and eats right, and here's a guy that stays out late. <laughs> <laughs> no kale and quinoa at the Will's household. Hey, I had some quinoa a couple weeks ago, but you know, but I'm not throwing any no-hitters anytime soon either. <laughs> you know, Chris, it's funny because we, we, we look at you and we get a chance to see you 34 starts a year, hopefully more through October this year. And, you know, your fastball is what it is. It's 95-plus. But you throw your slider more than any pitcher percentage-wise in Major League Baseball. At, how, did, how does that evolve throughout the season? Uh, and I, it's a little different every time, but I think I jotted down, I think it was 39% of your pitchers were sliders. That seems like a lot. Uh, it, it is, what about the, the tandem, how they work together, and do you need both fastball and slider to be, say, as good as you were on that game against Houston? Uh, 100%. Because um, one without the other is nothing. Because you can throw really good sliders and people lay off because they swung it. They're a big swing and miss team, so I could throw stuff out of the zone. But after establishing in the zone with the heater, um, and I, the Rays do a really good job of explaining what you do as a pitcher well. And I really bought in this year, and I wasn't afraid to be a pitcher who throws extremely hard and also throw a lot of off-speed. You know, when you first came up in 2012, then you were there through a lot of 13, I can remember Joe Madden saying, watch him, he's got better command of his slider than his fastball, which I always thought was kind of odd. I mean, that that most guys have to have all-the-time fastball command, at least I always thought. But your slider command was ahead of your fastball command, it seemed to me. Is that true? And has, has fastball command caught up in your mind to your slider command? Yeah, I think it's balanced out now. And I th- at that time, it was mainly – because trust, you know, early on in your big league career, I'm sure you guys experienced the same thing. You don't necessarily trust yourself as much as you should. Um, and then when it starts to become natural, you start to show your your true potential. 
just like you did by winning that award. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Yeah. <laughs> that's for us. That's for Dave, too. Oh, that's, it's for both of you guys? No, nah, it says Andy Freed on it. That's, it that's what I thought. But I, we're a, we're, you talk about team leader. We are we are a team as well, but that's nice of you. Well, you know, but all right. Now, speaking of that, uh, and you are a team leader. I mean, you know, again, whether it's number one in the rotation or what have you, an all-star representative now, but as you as you pay attention, and obviously you do if you found out that Andy won an award. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> but, um, you know, if it, it, you see some of the moves that are being made, and it seems like the focus has been this offseason to try to improve the offense. And for a guy that had some games where, boy, it would have been nice to score a run or two, uh, what, what's your take on what's been going on with this team and the, and the evolution of this roster? I love it. I mean, you look at what we've done and who we brought in. We've gotten much better against right-handed pitching which that's predominantly what we're going to mm -hmm. face. Um, we have a lot of power. Uh, we have a lot of athleticism. Um, most people don't realize Steve Pierce plays so many positions because he's an athlete. He's, he's big. He's put together extremely well, but he can move. Um, Brad Miller, the same thing. Logan Morrison is at a thump, and then Corey Dickerson, I, I was driving up as I heard you guys talking about what well, thanks for listening I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> but um he's he's an impressive human being and the, the conversations that we've had he's he was ready to be with an organization that wants to win and goes to the yard every single day ready to win and a lot of that starts on the pitching front because their lineup in Colorado has been really good right. but they've never trusted their pitching so he's he's somewhat relieved or that's what he expressed to me to come to a place where there's a balance between really good pitching and a, a highly productive offense. And we're going to have a really nice problem. If the season started today, we'd have some legitimate players on our bench. And they might not be too happy in that moment, mm -hmm. but we're going to be protected against injury much better than we were last year, having to use some of the people that we used. Um, and and just it's it's going to be impressive. I'm I'm impressed with what Matt Silverman has done this offseason. Opening day is April the 3rd. One would think without – the skipper spilling the beans that you'll probably have the ball that day. What will now the next, what, six, seven weeks be like for you, ramping up to what will eventually probably be the first pitch of the season? It's a, it's a slow process. We, the Rays training staff does not rush us at all. Uh, they have everything laid out. Jim Hickey will, whether it's the first or fifth game, he will count from the fifth game back to, to tell you when you're pitching. And you know every single start you're going to make and kind of know – how you're going to build up one inning, three innings, five innings, seven innings, uh, and then it's it's not like a it's not a very exhausting task. It just takes a long time. You're so eager, but you have to be patient at the same time to build up properly. It's hard. It, it would be we would be remiss if we did not mention too. I mean, again, all the accolades that Chris has on the field. He's an all-star pitcher. He's about ready to take that next step, I believe, to become one of the elite pitchers if he isn't already in Major League Baseball. But the stuff that you do off the field, you were the Rays nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award. You were the Paul C. Smith Champion Award for the, for the Rays team. Uh, the stuff you do with the RBI program. I mean, again, uh, here's the guy, as he says, he doesn't stay up late and he eats right, but he's getting up early in the morning. Baseball guys have routines, and they don't like to deviate from the routine. They do the same thing in every city all the time. Well, Chris Archer was going to RBI programs or having them come to the ballpark and meet with them in cities like Arlington and Cleveland and Detroit, Philadelphia, and even in Toronto. That's the stuff that's kind of unheard of from other people around Major League Baseball. You also went to Taiwan, as you mentioned, uh, during the offseason early on in October. And then you did some work uh, with ESPN for the uh, World Series, uh, for the playoffs, and then also did some work in the World Series. Uh, I quickly, as you were doing that, uh, listened, and I thought you did a tremendous job, went and checked your contract status and saw that you're good to like 2022. So <laughs> I felt pretty good about the fact that I know I've got a job in the booth, I think, until at least 2022. But... Uh, again, with that being said, I mean, it, well, it, there's that balance as well. I think you feel like not only do you have to reach a certain level on the field, but you also feel like you have to s reach a certain level off the field as well. For, for sure. I mean, uh, the more success I ha have on the field, the more doors open for me to inspire and impact lives positively. And that's that's the real goal. Um, whether I was, you know, a garbage man or a counselor at a school or a journalist, it would still be my goal. I'm just fortunate enough that what I do allows me to, you know, impact more, more people. And I'm trying to make the most of that. And you sure do. So having different accolades and, and wearing the jersey and children looking at me as kind of like a superhero, I, I use it to my advantage uh, to, to accomplish those things. Final question for me. 
you've said you're going to adjust your hat size this year. What? What? <laughs> have you talked to Jose yet? Uh, what hat size do you have yeah. working for you for 2016? Yeah, um, I've been wearing a seven and three eighths, which is just one size up. It's a little snug now. I was actually going to wear it tonight just to prove to you guys that a hat fits on my head. But uh, I, I didn't. But So I might have to go up two sizes to a 7 and 5 eighths. I, I wear a 7 and 3 that. quarters. No, I, and, and again, I'll tell you what, folks. You know, when people ask you about certain players, how are they? This guy is as good as it gets. Yep. And again, uh, you, you know, guys. he is one of my all-time favorites. Chris Archer joining us here. Chris, Thank you. thanks for taking the time. Sure. All the best here in 2016. Again, enjoy another race spring training at Charlotte Sports Park by getting your spring training season tickets now. Get the best seats, biggest value, and an exclusive hat and t-shirt. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash spring or call 888-FAN-RAYS. Raise up. We'll take a break, come back, and uh, Neil Solon's talk with Rays President Brian Old. We'll try to get to that when we come back after this on your home for Rays Radio, 620 WDAE and the Rays Radio Network. Welcome back to Countdown to Opening Day. Neil Solon's now joined by race team president Brian Ald. Brian, today, big news for the Rays is that they helped dedicate a home to Lakeba Wallace, a first-time homeowner in South St. Petersburg. Give our fans an idea as to what this project involved and what it means to the Rays. Well, the Rays fully funded this project, and then not only that, we put in over 1,000 volunteer hours by our staff to actually physically erect the building. It's been absolutely an incredible experience for us. Uh, for anyone who knows Lakiba Wallace, you can only imagine how fulfilling it was for us to work side by side with her on it. In terms of the volunteer hours, it's more than any home in Pinellas County that Habitat has done to get that many volunteer hours. What does that mean? Well, it's our organization put in more hours on this home than any other organization has put into any single home. Um, it's, it speaks to our staff's complete and total commitment to this community. You know, we have an employee policy where everyone gets one paid day off per month to volunteer in the community. And so we asked folks to sign up for this project, and they did in droves. Uh, when we set out, I don't think any of us thought we'd get over 1,000 hours, and we cruised right past it, I think well over 1,100. Beyond what's gone on this week with this home, there's so much going on with the Rays. You've got the promotional schedule about to come out and some really new ticket promotions as well. What are some things that fans who are listening to Countdown to Opening Day tonight should know about what's coming? Well, first and foremost, we have made our season ticket holders' uh, packages so much more valuable. We're introducing a raise rewards program that's going to allow people the opportunity to enjoy money, can't buy experiences. We're building out a season ticket holder lounge that's going to be exclusive to season ticket holders where they can hang out during the game and uh, get some special food and uh, other programming elements. Um, and then after that, we are really focused on bringing everyone into the ballpark. Whether you're a kid, a senior, a high school student, part of our military, uh, we want you at the ballpark, and we've come up with some pretty attractive offers to bring you in. And that's Monday through Friday. Brian, thanks for a few minutes. Should be an exciting couple of months leading up to opening day. Can't wait. Go Rays. That's Rays team president Brian Ald. Guys, back to you. All right, Neil, thank you, and also thanks to Brian. And uh, it's always good to give the team president a couple of minutes on the show to keep him uh, happy. Probably could have spared a couple more minutes, but, uh, again, we'll probably be chatting with Brian all a couple yes. more times before the uh, the preseason is over and before we get started again in April uh, at, at Tropicana Field. But, uh, again, I think it does uh, bear repeating, though, that the Rays have really rolled out a couple of very aggressive ticket plans that we have not done so in the past. And so, you know, you've got the military Mondays where – uh, active military and retired military get uh, a couple of free tickets. We've got the kids on Tuesday. We've got uh, seniors on Thursday, Friday, uh, college kids. I mean, there's going to be – there's discounted tickets, it'll seem like, almost on every single night date this year that we have not had in the past. And I think, again, uh, some of the people now that are involved in the race front office are trying to put some more fannies in the seats because I think that's going to not only, uh, again, experience and grow the brand – which is what we've talked about, to get some kids out to the ballpark maybe a little bit more and some people that uh, watch on TV and listen on the radio, and we thank you for that, but to, to get them back to the ballpark and create a little bit more of an atmosphere inside Tropicana Field that I think has been lacking a little bit the last couple of years because we've lost our home field advantage the last two years. Yep, and this team's home record has not been near, nearly what it, it could or should be. Uh, in, in the really good years for this team, from 08 through 13 for that matter, uh, teams did not enjoy coming to Tropicana Field. They liked the visiting clubhouse. Guy Gallagher does an amazing job there. Outside of that, the Rays won. Uh, what, more than, oh, or about two out of 
every three games. I mean, something like some in, in not quite to that percentage. We've throwing a lot of math similar. numbers around here lately. Too much for me, but uh, <laughs> it needs to be the pit as as we used to. There's been so much good going on this offseason, whether it be stadium news or potential trip to to Cuba that could be coming up. That looks like it may very well happen. There's so much to latch on to this team for this year and. I don't know about you, Dave, but I can't believe it's 8 o'clock already, and uh, I just feel all pent up. We need to talk more baseball. Yeah, and we do have a couple of things to get in. Again, with spring training coming up at Charlotte Sports Park, and looking forward to getting back down there. You can get your spring training three-pack, get great savings, and select from games against the Red Sox, Yankees, and more. RaysBaseball.com slash spring for that, or 888-FAN-RAISE. And again, raise up, and and before you know it, we're going to be down there. As a matter of fact, a week from uh, today, we'll be down there to uh, do some uh, interviews with uh, Kevin and also Matt Silverman to uh, run on the uh, show a week from today. But, you know, there, there's some intrigue. You know, the thing that we're trying to do, and I know we're running a little bit up against the clock here, but the thing that this Rays team is trying to do, and you think about the final four teams from last year that were in the, uh, the playoffs and then in the World Series, those guys were bottom feeders for a few years, racked up a couple of uh, high draft picks, and then were able to supplement them with some trades and some free agents. That's how you get good, you know, and, and that's how, how you turn things around. The Rays are trying to avoid being a bottom feeder. They're trying to hang around. You know, they've been hanging around mediocrity here the last couple of years. They're trying to get better while doing that. That's not an easy thing to do. And I got to give uh, Matt Silverman, Eric Neander, and Heim Bloom some credit for, for making some of the moves because it would be easy to say, let's pull back on the throttle. Let's settle in for a couple of years, get some high draft picks, and go from there, especially given the uh, financial restraints that the Rays have to deal with. It's one of the big issues in baseball right now, teams that are tanking uh, to get good a few years down the road. The Rays are not doing that. They are trying to, as you say, be good and get better at the same time. That's why it's it's hard to trade guys like Jake McGee. It's hard to trade guys a year ago like Ben Zilbert. you got to get something back, and I think that they, they're doing the best they can with this. And I don't know. I think this is, what, about the fourth straight year that will go into the season saying any of the five teams in the American League East could be first or fifth. Yeah, and again, I mean, just looking at what some of the things have been done around, I mean, Baltimore, kind of that late move, and they're talking about sweeping in and making some of the moves that they have over the last few days. But for the first time in forever, the Yankees have not made a big free agent splash. I think they said it's the first time since... 1975 or something like that, that they have not made a huge free agents pass. Now they made the big trade for Raldis Chapman, and I know everybody loves the Red Sox, as they always do in December and January. And the Blue Jays were good, but they lost a lot of guys. It's really kind of, again, a very intriguing American League East. Everybody likes the Red Sox in December, January, and they've been in the last three out of four years. So that's just that's just <laughs> the way that goes. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's funny. I think the other teams have really beefed up their bullpens. I think the Rays' starting rotation right now is the envy of the division. And maybe if we can get you know a few more innings out of that, like Chris was saying when he was sitting right there, then I think that's that's the ticket to the race because they are going to score more runs than they did a year ago. And I want everybody to know, if my wife was here right now, she'd be saying, get off your phone, stop texting. I'm not texting. I'm trying <laughs> to find out what's going on with our time out here, so I make sure I hit the hit the spot. But, again, want to thank all you guys for coming thank out you. here today. Again, thanks to Neil Solons. I want to make sure that Neil gets the uh, accolades that he deserves. Boy, there were some real rough post-game shows last year that Neil had to answer some phone calls to and, again, uh, give Neil a lot of credit. And I am really looking forward to working my 12th season with this award winner, Andy Freed. And uh, really, uh, we'll be bringing you the broadcast here in just a couple of weeks. Our Countdown to Opening Day show is a presentation of the Rays Radio Network. The executive producer of the Rays Radio Network is... Larry McCabe. The night show is produced by Chris Miller and Jordan Cavialis. Also, our studio engineers, Brian Allward, Ben Judd, and Dana Raymer. And our production assistants this year, and, and these guys are new. They're going to have to give me a little bit of a break. Uh, Jesse Feldman and also Lauda Ospina, right? Was that close? Nice. Was I halfway decent? But thanks again to everybody for joining us here. We'll be back on the air a week from today from uh, down near uh, Port Charlotte. But thanks to everybody who came out today. For Kevin Cash, for Chris Archer, for Andy Freed, I'm Dave Wills. This has been our first 2016 Rays Radio Countdown to Opening Day show on 620 WDAE and the Rays Radio Network. Thank you for listening to Countdown to Opening Day. Corey swings and launches one way up into the air in a deep left field. All the way back and gone. Home run, a two-run shot for Evan Longoria. If you missed any of the show, download it at RaysBaseball.com slash podcast. What a blast. Join us at Tropicana Field on February 27th for Rays Fan Fest. The 0-1. Swing and a tapper toward third. Evan charging. Bare hands. Throws. Rays win. Chris Archer goes the distance, and the Rays beat the Astros by a score of one to nothing. 
For more information, visit RaysBaseball.com.